For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Vikings, come out and Listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with B-Mac and Baker. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Believe in Vikings with B-Mac and Baker. I am your host, Dustin Baker. I'm here with Super Bowl champion, Bryant McKinney, uh, Ron from FranchiseTag.com. And then we have our guest, uh, Cody from Stephenville, Texas. He's coming to us from Cowboy Country. Uh, yuck, but he's a ardent Vikings fan. So he's going to represent the purple from down South tonight. And my goodness, uh, this will be to date. Brian, I've been doing this show since August of 2020, the most jam packed show we have in terms of thematic material. We've got all of this Vikings news that's dribbling out. So there is a plethora of topics to talk about from Riley reef, Dan Bailey, Stephen Weatherly, Gino Adkins rumors. It's all, it's all going to flush out here in a matter of minutes. Uh, but first, Per usual, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The NBA is in full swing and college basketball heats up as the schools make their way to March Madness. Uh, the tournament is coming, and so is the $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest, as BetOnline is the spot to be for all the bracketology needs. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best place to place your bets, and it is absolutely free to sign up. So head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Betonline.ag, your online sports book experts. Well, the last time we chatted, it was the kind of the Kyle Rudolph episode. He was released after 10 years with the Minnesota Vikings. And in the grand scheme of things, that was big news. And it still is big news. But since we last chatted with you all, uh, there's been more unpredictable news that has broke. Even since I went to plan a set of topics for the show, I've had to rewrite them because we've got that off-season free agency news that's starting to trickle in. And the first one is uh, extremely apropos because it happened a few hours ago and it pertained to left tackle Riley Reef. He was released today and the Vikings will now free up about $11 million in cap space, which puts them at about $8 million at the time that this show was recorded um, for you know money to go spend. So I'm going directly to you, BMAC. Um, Riley Reef is 32 years old. He's a left tackle. This might start, start to sound familiar to you. And he was asked to restructure, we think. Uh, he said no. And now he is going off to a different NFL team, presumably. So that's happened to you. I think you were one year younger. Uh, what's going through Riley Reef's mind tonight uh, since the same thing essentially happened to you 10 years ago? Um, I think he believes he has good enough film to get picked up by somebody else. He probably just wants to get a fresh start somewhere else. Okay. And you were asked to restructure. You said no. And the hell with it. You went and won a Super Bowl with the Ravens. And I doubt you regret it. Yeah, I, and at that time, I kind of wanted to be able to try to just see what it's like to be on another team. Like, I've had all these different guys join, you know, the Vikings, and I have been there for, like, a while. Mm -hmm. So being a part of another organization, I was always, like, wondering what it would be like, and then you're able to get a fresh start, too. Yeah. So okay. That's... I was kind of open to it, like, at that point. Like, yeah. okay. And then you kind of have, you know, with other teams, when, like, you know, multiple teams come at you, it kind of, you kind of have options a little bit, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So when you get drafted, you don't have any options. But when you get in that space, you kind of have options. So then you kind of can look at the teams, you know what I mean, uh, mm -hmm. that are potentially coming after you and kind of decide where you want to go. So that that in that essence, you have a little more control. 
Okay. Well, that will surely happen and happen to Riley Reef. He won't get the $17 million he was slated to make with the Vikings, which is the primary reason that he was let go. But he's, he'll probably nestle into that maybe $8, 9000000 million a year um, range. I don't know if that's too generous or not. But he'll go somewhere. He's a good left tackle. And perhaps he'll win a Super Bowl like McKinney did. Um, he will get outside of the NFC North maybe for the first time. I don't know if he would go to the Bears or Packers, but so far in his career, he's played for the Lions and the Vikings, and he's from South Dakota, which is where I record this show from, so interesting tidbit there. I'm going to go to you, Cody, as a first time on the show. It sounds like a long-time listener. We appreciate that. Um, I've written, not ad nauseum, but uh, Riley Reef and Brian O'Neill are the only two offensive linemen that played substantially on the 2020 Vikings that were better at pass protecting than they are run blocking a lot of the dudes that we criticize are actually semi-decent run blockers but they suffer in protecting the quarterback so it feels <coughs> counterintuitive or counterproductive to release a pass protecting asset when um you know now we're going to, have to go shopping for two more pieces of offensive line that's my it's my take i understand with the money that they had to do it but i want to know what is your temperature on the offensive line as of right now after reef's release you know i feel like uh really in order to take a step forward reef had to go uh either this year or next year Ezra cleveland was drafted in the second round last year with uh the intent to play on left tackle so um I think that especially with Brian O'Neill playing right tackle and he's excelling there, you don't want to move him to left tackle. Uh, and it'd probably be easier to go ahead and hit on a mid-round draft pick at the interior offensive line than it would be to do the same with maybe left tackle or something like that. And not to mention, uh, we now probably have a little bit of money for Thune or Zietler or even Gabe Jackson at this point, which all would be major upgrades over what we're running out there every Sunday. I hear you. Um the this is the first of moves uh i don't have any inside information that says like there's one like pending in the next hour but uh, we always are in this spot every year that we're a super bowl control well, playoff contender and we are forced to restructure dudes and push things off for the future so i i project that will happen with other contracts like anthony barr maybe harrison smith even kirk cousins again but there'll be more money that's just the way spielman does things ron do you foresee the vikings going guard shopping um, a week from now, which we'll be talking about the spoils of that actually on St. Patrick's Day. Um, yeah. Do you think that they address some of those needs in free agency, sir? So I actually, yeah, I do think that either way, there's now two holes on the offensive line because mm -hmm. they have three bodies who, whether or not who aligns at left tackle, whether it's Cleveland, O'Neal, um, you know, between those two and Bradbury at center. Um, I actually think that's a good solid trio. They just need to find the right spots for him. And I do agree with Cody. I think that um, Ezra Cleveland on the left side um, is the ideal move because O'Neill has been successful on that on, um, on the right side. So um, no need to shuffle everything up uh, and, and make everyone learn a new position, but uh, Cleveland has the experience there. It's the longtime starter at Boise state. So um, I think guard um, was a little, I, I think he was on the lighter side for guard. Now, I don't know if that, I, I know he's got, good size but um mm -hmm. it seems like he did get pushed backward a little bit so maybe using him on the outside and letting him utilize those that footwork that he has i think that'll be huge <laughs> so as far as guards go i do see them um one of the newly released guys or you know the guy who i've always wanted was toony um you know whether it was last year trading anthony harris for him so now there is money for that and mm -hmm. whether or not we get splat that splashy enough to go after a player like that or if you know we do you know, end up with uh, Kevin Zietler, someone who um, has, again, ties to, to Zimmer and Cincy and uh, um, or I believe that their time overlapped there, but he was someone who they have been looking at, it sounds like, or rumored from Minnesota for years, even when he was a free agent a few years ago. So maybe that's someone who could be on the bargain side, um, kind of like I think Reef will go somewhere else on a yeah. bargain side contract coming off of a bigger deal. So um, if they do that, whether that's the case or whether it's going to the draft, I know <clears throat> Rashawn Slater is a guy who's been, um, his name's been linked in that, you know, whether us or chargers are in that range a lot lately. And uh, uh, the more I've been hearing about him, the more I like him, especially on the interior. It sounds like they say moving him more inside, um, he's going to be better suited for that role. So again, I couldn't pick him apart from a two man lineup uh, from McKinney, <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, yeah I, from what I'm reading, it seems, uh, 
you know, whether or not that's where they go at 14, but uh, uh, like I've been saying all along, being at 14, if the quarterbacks go, there's going to be some good players left there with they decide to stay put. Okay. The, the two big clues that we have, you know, that we can mold right now as, as clay are the fact that Steven Weatherly was draft or excuse me, signed for a cheap price to be some capacity of defensive end. And then we cut our starting left tackle and it's certainly not a, you know, verdict, but it's le- leads me towards that. Perhaps they are going to go offensive line in the draft because they might just think that Weatherly, Odenbo, Wanham, Holmes, are good enough to do by committee at uh, right defensive end. And then you've got this gaping hole for now on the offensive line. Perhaps that these are the uh, the pieces that are the chess pieces that are lining up to suggest that indeed we go offensive line for the fourth year in a row with the second round picker higher. Um, with that said, if we do that, fine and dandy, but they got to start clicking soon. You can't keep drafting these second round or higher dudes and then have the fourth worst pass protecting offensive line per pro football focus like we did. So that's what I'm intrigued by is all of these pieces of the puzzle that come together. The other big news that hit last night, I don't know if you heard about this, McKinney, is that Dan Bailey, the Vikings kicker, was released. Uh, they approached him to restructure, and he said, the hell with yous, and now he's going to go kick somewhere else. Uh, so I think I've asked you something similar before, uh, so bear with me. When you played for the Vikings, we had a relatively stable period of kicking, at least for like completely rip-your-heart-out moments. Um, so... I want to ask you this from that player standpoint, if you had a kicker or kickers that are constantly a problem or at least not reliable, does an off, does an offensive tackle care about that? Does it make you roll your eyes or is that completely something that just more of a fan looks at? Uh, that can be games that they don't come through. I, it, it, it can be a little annoying because <laughs> you put so much into the game and especially as a tackle, you're there, you know, every player on offense. So it's like you, only have a certain amount of plays, you know, they have a limited amount of plays where they really have to focus in on. Yeah. So when you give it your all, all game long, it's like, come on. Yeah. We, uh, you know, we put a lot of time into our resentments on the kicker situation. Cause in, in the defense of it, sometimes it gets good. Like Bailey was damn good in 2019. Kai Forbath was outside of a few extra points was pretty good in 2017. And he was clutch in the playoffs. Uh, but it seems like every one or two seasons, we're like, we're back to where we were. This guy had this curse that beset him and he stinks now. Uh, so it's, it's frustrating there. So I wanted to know if that's, it sounds like something that probably gets on a fan's nerves more than anything uh, because you have to take care of your business at left tackle. Well, yeah, we can't allow it to get on our nerves too much. We still <laughs> got to lift them back up. It made like a noise at the moment, but you still got to lift them back up because they're still with you for the rest of the season. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's something that with Zimmer and kind of his, it's very uh, open. Like he, uh, seems to always have those death stares at special teams. And if there's an issue, um, like, you know, whereas if there's say an offensive lineman jumping offside all the time, you don't necessarily see Zimmer reacting that way, but you see it with special teams. You think that has Brian see that's still there. (laughs) Um, But yeah, Brian, is that something where like, as if the head coach or say, you know, a player on the team is like directly like visibly upset with the kicker. Does that, um, is there a need for someone to be like uplifted and something like that? Now you had some great kickers along the way in your career with Longwell and Tucker. Um, like what is it that sets them aside as far I as mean, the criticism? You're naturally, naturally get a reaction from teammates in general. So it won't be just one person. Um, you're naturally just get a reaction of say if they miss or something bad, you're going to get a reaction from more than one person. So it's hard to control that. Um, and that kicker already feels bad too, because yeah, no one wants to make it more than he does. <laughs> you're not going to do but so much. It's like you want to give them a little reaction, like, uh, whatever. But then it's like you're not going to, like, keep dwelling on it either. Yeah. And, and uh, you know the coach is going to eventually say something when you watch film or whenever. So. Are kickers, like, much. extra sensitive, like, compared to other positions where – because, like, you know, again, they're a unit of three. Every other unit has, like, a lot of players or more players on it. So is that something – and the pressure is obviously – in practice you're sitting there all you do is kick so is it are, can they be a little more sensitive to that type of criticism where you have to kind of I think they, they probably still have a little more pressure too because they only have a certain amount of opportunities and you know we expect you to be perfect in those opportunities yeah. but we have way more opportunities than you know we're going to battle against people but when they're kicking it's, it's everybody's watching right. them you yeah. know what I mean so it could be a little more pressure than something we don't understand but at the same time 
I know they feel bad too because they feel like they let their team down. But also, it's going to be a natural reaction when it doesn't go your way. Yeah, but then it's like you don't want to keep dwelling on it for so long either. Yeah, it's it's it gets back to that cliche you had one job type of thing on the kickers. Uh, so oh, they, I, I, they definitely players will definitely say that you got one job. <laughs> I've heard that plenty of times. The kickers. Yeah, on the uh, on Zimmer's reactions to kicks and special teams, he does a lot of stuff that'll make you scratch your head. Like he's notoriously stubborn. I get all that, but he has every right to be pissed about kickers and special teams garbage because it besets this team like none other. So when I see him pissed or really curt about the kicker, I I'm like, good for you, man, because I feel the same way. So I want to get that out there that we can have a show where we discuss the shortcomings of Zimmer, but it's almost like he represents every Minnesota <laughs> Viking fan on the sideline in those moments. Yeah, and yeah it's, that, it's a fan. It's great to see because you just want to pull that kicker aside and like slap the hell out of him. Yeah, but, there uh, <laughs> he has those moments. There was one this season, 2020, where he he laid into some ref or something, and it was like I think I tweeted vintage Zimmer, and it'd been a while since we've seen that. The when we're winning. We love it. And then, you know, when we're losing, it's like, you know, we we grasp at straws for positive things. But I remember seeing that Zimmer piss offness that was uh, just totally, totally vintage. Uh, Cody. So uh, Dan Bailey will not be the kicker. We theorize that perhaps he and Greg Joseph, who's a young journeyman kicker, uh, would have a summer showdown, see who could win the thing. But right now it's Joseph as the short term incumbent. Um, I want to know from your Vikings brain. Do you foresee Joseph as the guy, or do you think that they'll bring in competition or draft a rookie or go out and spend some money on somebody like Prater or Gostowski? What do you got? Uh, Well, to touch on Dan Bailey, I definitely think it was the appropriate time to move on. Uh, The relationship definitely felt stale at that point. Wouldn't be surprised if Zimmer and him didn't talk for the last month of that season. Uh, As for Greg Joseph, I do like that he's young. He's 26. He's been around a couple teams, including Tampa Bay last year. So maybe got a little bit of that championship mentality. Yeah. Tom Brady's uh, clutch gene rubbed off on him a little bit. (laughs) We'll take it. Uh, But uh, he last kicked in Cleveland and uh, had 17 out of 20 field goals, 85 percent, 25 out of 29 extra points. You know, not not anything to sneeze at. Doesn't really have a long leg. Long is 51. Definitely don't think Zimmer is going to draft another kicker in yeah. his time with the Vikings after that Daniel Carlson experiment. Yeah. I haven't really seen anything like that except for with the Tampa Bay and their second round kicker, uh, Aguayo, <laughs> on a much more a, a bigger emphasis. Uh, I did find earlier, though, fun fact Colquitt did hold for Joe. Um, for Greg Joseph oh, in Cleveland really? when he was yeah. kicking. In ah, well, thanks for mentioning that. I'm going to have to steal that and put that in some of my writings because I didn't know that. So I knew there was a reason we brought your <laughs> ass on here. Um, I have to, full disclosure, when Carlson wet the bed against the Packers in 2018 and we went and got Bailey, this was before I had any sort of Vikings voice, um, I, pro- I projected, predicted to my family, my friends, that if we landed Bailey, he'd be the kicker for the next five to eight years. And mm-hmm. I was wrong, completely wrong. Um, he had a swell 2019, and then the wheels came off. So I got to hold myself accountable. I was wrong there. Um, I'm pretty sad about it because he seems like a great dude. Um, but I have no doubt he'll go somewhere and be just fine uh, because yeah. that's just the little the hex, the voodoo that we have. I'm going to stay with you, Cody. The other news that happened since we last uh, recorded was Stephen Weatherly joined the Vikings. He left for a one-year sabbatical to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, he got hurt. He, I guess, played average. He self-admittedly said he was complacent, although I don't know what he would be complacent about, uh, but he's back. And I don't know if I should perceive this as that's our move at defensive end. Like we're just going to go with Afadi Adenbo and him and hope that Daniil Hunter can free up, you know, some of the attention that those dudes get. Um, do you, A, like the Weatherly signing? And B, do you foresee the starting right defensive end as a man that is on the roster tonight? The starting right defensive end is not on the roster. Uh, As of this moment, Weatherly, I like Weatherly. He had some awesome YouTube videos he put out for the fan base. All the guys in the locker room seem to like him a lot. He's a great depth guy. Someone that gets you anywhere from two to maybe five sacks in one of his better years. Uh, Come off uh, the bench, let some of the starters rest. Um, As for, um, man, I'm going to butch the other name. Uh, Adonis. Yeah, there we go. Uh, As for him, 
I like his potential. I think he's another good depth piece, but I definitely think that our other defensive end is not on the roster yet. Um, I don't have any off the top of my head, but I have been seeing a lot of uh, guys that were kind of needing this offseason hit and free agency. Some of them uh, could be had at a discount. And uh, but then doesn't ideally the room, for me, I'm hoping the other defensive end comes in the draft. Though. Doesn't it's it get Mike too Zimmer. Doesn't it get too crowded, or am I overestimating the notion that a Fadi could be let go? It seems, it seems like they got I enough think, bodies right now. I think that after this last season, you can't look Mike Zimmer in the face and say you got enough bodies on that defensive line. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Ron, what do you got on right defensive end? Is a Weatherly a piecemeal thing? Do Are we going to draft Quiddy Pay? What are we going to do? So I do think either between him or uh, Fetty that one of them will be the starter. Now, it doesn't mean that they're not going to try to get an additional pass rusher, but the beauty of um, mainly Adenabo is his ability to play inside. That's where two years ago, you know, when we were, when everyone was there, he was able to kick in um, and play you know, the three technique on, uh, on pass rush situations. So um, I think ultimately and Zimmer in his history, it's always, it's never really like Daniel was really his first like dominant, like three down pass rusher guy. I mean, maybe a little bit of Dunlap in Cincinnati in his early year, years, but uh, he's always been the guy I'm going to rotate a bunch of guys in and have them fresh and let them get after the quarterback. So I think that yes, we have plenty of bodies now, even DJ Wanham obviously showed yep. some, um, mm-hmm. some spurts last year, but I see that as a position where they'll keep five guys because of the flexibility of kicking one inside. Okay. Um, like whether it's Jalen Holmes or if I, or um, a fatty on, uh, on third, on third down. So mm-hmm. um, now I don't think, that I think that Weatherly gives them the stability that um, pushes them away from taking an offensive end in the first round. Um, just again, because of the other needs of the team um, mm-hmm. and Weatherly, obviously a few years ago was a, um, a valuable player in mm-hmm. the rotational sense. So um, I don't, I think it does lessen the need, but again, anything could happen from now until the draft with players, you know, if someone jumps off the page, Zimmer is the type that's going to run to the table mm-hmm. and, uh, and pound his fist say, Hey, I want this guy. So okay. um, we'll see what happens, but it does give us options with the re- rest of our roster. Yeah, in relief of Everson Griffin during his turmoil in 2018, Weatherly was the starter, and that's where most fans got high on him because he was Griffin light, and he was pretty good. And um, that's why I think we had some warm fuzzies of him coming back because, A, he wants to be here, like, emphatically. Uh, He's a giddy to be back, so we're excited to have him back. Uh, McKinney, I'm coming to you for two straight things. Um, On the fact that Daniil Hunter will be back, um, at left defensive end, and perhaps we could limp by with uh, one of these right defensive ends that doesn't have the huge sexy name. Um, how does that work from an X's and O's standpoint when you have a dominant guy on the left end? How does the guy on the right end, in your opinion, get better? Is it because there's less attention, or how does that work schematically? He should take that um, opportunity to um, to want to be better because a lot of chips and everything will go on the other side, on the opposite end of him. Okay, that's so it'll be double teams for him. So he'll be a lot more free. Okay, um, and, and more one on one. So like, normally like the most dom- dominant defensive end, the the running back's going to chip or a tight end's going to chip on the way out. Just different things like that to help slow him down for the tackle. But if everybody's focused on the one side, they can't. You can't do both. So okay, and uh, uh, that's the reason that gives him more one on one matchups, and he should be able to take advantage of that. It should be noted that because we were so slim pickings all over the damn defensive roster besides safety and linebacker in uh, Kendrick's spot for most of the season, uh, Afadi was getting the double teams. And he must have been like, holy Christ, because he's not the type of player that usually gets double teams. And I think teams op- opposition looked around and was like, who else are going to double team? We might as well double team this dude that played well in December of 2019. And so he got all of this attention that probably just blew his mind. So if, in, if indeed he's the choice, then we shall see if he can, you know, be a starting right defensive end with contingent upon a dominant person like Daniil Hunter. Uh, the next thing is going to be on the same topic, but on Daniil Hunter. I'll set the stage for some of any casual listeners out there. Um, Ian Rappaport in October announced that Hunter would miss the entire 2020 season and then also for some godforsaken reason, said that, yes, and by the way, he's going to want a new contract too, eyeball emoji. And, you know, Baron and I looked at each other. Cody was in Texas somewhere saying, who said that Daniil Hunter wants a new contract? None of us ever heard anything about that. Evidently, it's a thing. 
I thought Rappaport was just making it up. But uh, the next segue to this is some idiot like uh, Titans fans or Raiders fans or something tweeted something to the effect of, we'd love to have Daniil Hunter on our team via trade. And then on Twitter, I'm talking to you, Bryant, here, Daniil Hunter liked that. The, the tweet that said, hey, come play for the Titans, he pressed a heart button that indicates that he likes that idea. Is that stupid to buy into? If you were you know, playing right now and, some, and you played for the Vikings, let's just say that, and somebody said, hey, Bryant McKinney, come to the Washington football team, would you, would you press I'm gonna say, like? I'm going to say it was funny. You did it's what? Similar situation happened to me. Okay, let's hear it. Um, a, a Dolphin fan DM'd me, right? And they were like, you should come back home. Da, da, da. And, I, and I kind of DM'd him back and was like, yeah, I wouldn't mind that. He screenshot it and posted it. So then it was like, I say, jerk, why would you do that? <laughs> I love the DM. He screenshot and posted it. And then when I end up getting traded, he was like, see, it worked. And it was oh. like, yeah, but like, why would you do that? <laughs> Sounds <laughs> so like you should send him a gift basket. Got to retire in Miami. I was just saying, like, I wouldn't mind, like you know. But I know he's gonna screenshot yeah. the conversation. See, he's, ruin- he's he's ruining it for all of us fans that would say, "Hey, I'm gonna message Brian McKinney," or "Hey, let me message Adam Thielen," and then don't they do it. they respond to well, me as, as an athlete. Don't respond. Yeah, they respond they to Cody, and then our run with it and be like, see, he wasn't going to be. Yeah. Like, oh, see, that's, that's, I've been trying to get Adam Thielen and then later on, for years. Me when I actually, when I actually got traded there, he did me like, see, but it worked. Because I was mad when he did that. All right. So do, would you buy into the fact that Daniil Hunter liked the fact, you know, press the like button on Twitter or is that not? He pressed the like button maybe to like get some people's attention. He knows some people see that he liked it. Really? And maybe, okay. you know, stir the pot on possibly even getting a, a new deal okay. here with the Vikings or something. You know what I mean? It doesn't, yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that he wants to go somewhere else. Yeah, we, that's it's prime time for that right now. When we see people on their Instagram that remove all photos that has the uniform on, then we start, you know, getting panicked or excited, depending on which team you're on, blah, blah, blah. All right, so we're staying on that topic, Cody. Uh, do you see anything realistic about Daniil Hunter wanting out of Minnesota? You know, before today, before I really looked into that more, uh, I didn't give it any weight. And then I find myself, like I said, it's that time of the year. I'm going through his Twitter account, seeing the last time he even liked tweets, which was from 2020, by the way. Um, but hopefully it's just something uh, he likes to see that he still wanted and talked about. You know, maybe it's a, a non-confrontational way to put himself back in Spielman's mind. Um but I do want to say that if he doesn't want to show, we should we should still pay him. Uh, do yeah. not trade this guy. Uh, he's been releasing these crazy workout videos. He's up 20 pounds, at least from the website. Last I checked, it was like 273, 275, something like that. Um, hopefully we could, if he really wants to leave town, maybe we can kick him some valley before the cap potentially raises um, in a couple of years again. Um, then he'd be a bargain value once again. Yeah. Want to interrupt for just a second to talk about our newest sponsor, which is eBay. Um, whether rare, dead stock, or the latest release, um, find the exact shoes you're looking for on eBay. As for the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop a pair um, that you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators, uh, which is a team of experienced sneaker authenticators. They verify the box, the logo, the stitching, etc., and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee uh, tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects sellers with a verification return process. And for the sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over $100, making it free to sell and flip your collection. So go to ebay.com sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Uh, Ron, definitely do not trade them. Yeah, I'm, I hear you. Uh, it, would, it would really fluster stuff around here if we lost mm-hmm. Diggs and Hunter that the, the conversation around Zimmer I wouldn't know if I don't know if my Twitter account could handle it uh Ron do you a think this Daniil Hunter stuff is real at all and then b if it is what would you demand for a price uh trade package now I I think ultimately there is some you know it's kind of like the dig situation there's truth behind 
everything like that's out there. And whether I'm not saying that he wants to be gone, but I do think the, the monetary side of it is real. Like he's looking at it as here's all these other defensive ends that are getting paid. And um, yes, he signed the Vikings signed his deal prior to him being like the, you know, top five edge rusher in the league. Um, so they did their solid to him on that regard, but it's also, I don't know if it's necessarily looking at it now as like, Hey, I want a new contract this moment because he's set to hit free agency again when he's 27. So right in the prime of his career, maybe he's just kind of setting the tone as like for the negotiations down the road, like, look like, okay, you're, let me, you know, ball out this next two years after the neck injury and show you what I have. But then when the time comes, you're paying me like the top guy that I think I am. Like I'm getting that miles Garrett type money. Yeah. So um, again, I, it doesn't sound like there's any ill will towards the team in that regard, but I'm sure nowadays I can't even imagine what it's like just to be, to have everything out there, like where, you know, the, um, you know, the subtleties of, uh, of liking tweets or responding to little things and, you know, Googling your name to see what's being said about you and, you know, everything's there. Um, I mean, it doesn't seem like there's any contention with the team, but I do see it could be kind of that little chess move of, I know my worth, I know my value, and there's going to be other teams out there that are going to be willing to pay. So let's try to start, you know, the negotiations now without actually negotiating now. Yeah. And what would you, let's say, God, God forbid this gets to a point where he does want to be treated. What do you think? He'll uh, well, minimum, at least one first, um, you know, I don't know if it'll be like multiple first, but it's kind of like the Khalil Mack standard is going to be what's out there. Like mainly the value, like if he's yeah. traded this off season, like really his value wouldn't be higher because a team's getting two more years of him on this deal. So that alone, and mm-hmm. he's 25, he's younger than Khalil Mack was when he was traded. So um, that alone yeah. is going to, be the benchmark of where it's at least a first, second, third, like possibly two first. Like there's a team's going to mortgage their future on it because he's that dominant of a player. So from that standpoint, I, as much as I don't want to trade him or like that would be an afterthought to me, like if you're going to get the currency like that, well, Hey, now if you're telling me I can get a top 15 pick this year, you know, like what the the Forrest Buckner um, garnered last year, and then I get additional Mm -hmm. picks as well. Well, now it's, you know, we can shed a little bit of salary and hopefully get an impact player as well. But again, I wouldn't yeah. be, I wouldn't be calling teams, but I wouldn't be not picking up the phone if that were the case. Okay. <clears throat> the next news of the week was Dak Prescott's. Uh, finally, finally, they got this deal done. I don't know why it took three stupid off seasons, <clears throat> but it's ridiculous that they had a very good quarterback and they just had so much foreplay to get this deal done. Uh, Bryant. So um, Prescott got four years, 160 million, got $40 million per year. Um, when you were playing and even now uh, quarterbacks get the, the bell cow money, they get the the huge contracts. Is there ever any resentments at all that quarterbacks get that, you know, so much more money than uh, the left tackle might or a running back or wide receiver or do players just accept that that the quarterback they touch the ball I half the time accept it. I don't think nobody's uh really judging or, or looking at it like why are they getting so much especially if they're they're performing at a high level then I mean I feel like they deserve it but like I was telling you the quarterback good or bad is everything falls on the quarterback and like yeah. those other positions they don't have to wear that the quarterback does you know what I mean the quarterback yes. man in the head coach. So it comes with the territory. So the minute he's not playing well, that would be a discussion too. Like, you know what I'm saying? So that's like mm-hmm. more pressure on them to live up to, you know, what they're being paid. Okay. Uh, Ron, so the market, Patrick Mahomes is the the pace setter and getting, you know, half a billion dollars for 12, 10, whatever it is, 10 years, 12 years. And now checking at number two is Prescott at 40 million. So this is a Vikings show. Uh, what does that do in your estimation for Kirk Cousins? I don't, know if you, I don't know if it really matters for his current contract. People will still complain about that. Uh, but what about his next deal, whether it's with the Vikings or somewhere else? What does that put him at about 30, 32, 33? Or what does it do for Kirk? I mean, I, I don't think it changes Kirk's value at all. I think Kirk's value is what it is. And I think his value right now is kind of what he's being paid, like in that 8 to 12 range of quarterbacks. Um, and that's you know, that's very fair for it. Um, I also, Kirk having, you know, already had that payday, Dak really hadn't had that long-term, um, 
you know, security. Whereas Cousins didn't have that in Washington. He was a fourth round pick and, you know, on the rookie deal and then franchised a couple of years. He never had that long-term security. Then he came here, kind of changed the market with the fully guaranteed deal. Whereas Dak also, I think it was a third or fourth round pick. He kind of did the same thing. They never wanted to pay him or franchising him. He was bound to get paid being a 27 year old quarterback hitting the prime of his career. So um, now do I think the Dak contract is necessarily worth it? No, but I like the way they, they front ended it. it. Whereas you're doing the opposite. It's like, here, take 75 million this year. We'll eat it on the cap, but then it's going to, the team is going to be, it's going to be more favorable going forward. Um, but I think cousins market is going to be what it is. Um, unless there's, you know, some sort of major drop off, but you know, he yeah. is nothing but consistent. Um, mm-hmm. and that 30 to $35 million range on his next contract, I see that kind of holding steady. Okay. Um, Cody, I'm pretty sure you, you enjoy cousins presence at quarterback on the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to guess you think he's aptly or fairly paid. Um, what, what do you think on his next contract? And do you think it'll be with the Vikings or do you got to wait and see what happens in 2021? I think we're going to at least have to wait to see what happens this summer. Uh, if they don't add anything besides Sean Mannion or one of the two practice squad guys, I think we're still going to keep going all in with Kirk. Uh, but I am hoping that maybe fans are more accepting of Kirk's current price after Dak reset the market, and then you're going to see a couple more deals done this summer. So maybe people lay off of him a little bit because, uh, I mean, we've all seen the past 20 years of uh, our quarterbacks, and Kirk is just a uh, – no Vikings fans hate to see it, but we're we're pretty lucky to have uh, someone who can doesn't look like they struggle too much to actually throw the ball like we've seen <laughs> the past couple of years. Yeah, it's uh, we had the outstanding year when McKinney was on the team with Favre, and after that, it's been either at its peak outside of Kirk decent with Bridgewater or it's been garbage with uh, McNabb or with uh, Ponder, of course. And that's what I'll never understand. No matter what, if cousins comes out and goes two and 14 and then, you know, he's traded, I'll never understand why during this period of three years, I I couldn't convince more fans that 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns is good enough for the Vikings, Mm -hmm. you know? And we always talk about drafting our Mahomes and it's like, that doesn't just happen. Like, why don't you think the Knicks just go draft their LeBron every Cause they don't exist. They're like once every 10 to 20 years. So it was just a couple of years ago that people were over here, um, clamoring for Kyle Slaughter to start. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I tried, I, I, I looked into Twitter cause I thought it was a neat concept way late, like 2018. And right about the time I did that was when Kirk signed on and people were saying like, you know, he's not very good. And then slaughter had like a phenomenal preseason and they were talking about starting him when cousins just signed this guaranteed money deal. I was like, well, what is this? But I digress. Um, cause the next- guaranteed money. That's the only, only reason it's, yeah. and it's just dumb. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at least we don't have quarterback problems like the Chicago Bears. I do got to say that. Yeah, and yeah. We, but we did up until Kirk. <laughs> we, we don't admit it, but we're the exact same thing. I'm laughing about how they might the Bears might bungle the opportunity to get Watson or Wilson when they just think that well, Alex Smith will work. But that's something that we would have done too. We would have signed mm-hmm. Alex Smith, thinking we're going to squeeze the prime out of him again. Leg injury, be damned. And Alex then, Smith is totally my prediction for the Bears this season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that'll shake down. And I love how like everyone, you know, like take Lamar Jackson, for for example, and everyone's talking about how, well, look at the Ravens. Like they went and, you know, they had Joe Flacco, but then they drafted Lamar Jackson. But it's, but what people don't realize is Lamar Jackson wasn't even their first choice. They had a first round pick earlier and took Hayden Hurst, mm-hmm. who they then traded a couple of years later. So it's not like they were on pounding their fists at the table. Like, hey, we need this guy. Like it just so happened. Hey, at 32, we can trade back and get him. Um, why not? So, yeah, like these rookie quarterbacks on rookie deals, they don't just fall out of trees like you know jared goff like he had one good year and then he was found um you know carson wentz like you know he signed his big deal and he doesn't look the same and um there's there's not it's not a science obviously and like when they're like mahomes is rare occasion so yeah um, i think it's hilarious everyone will just go out and draft a guy what so you can Mm -hmm. end up like sam darnold or uh there's also rosen (laughs) there's the painful reality that the big was big four big five of lawrence Wilson, Fields, and Lance. And I don't know if you put uh, Mac Jones in there. But out of those five, only about two of them are probably going to be any good. 
three of those guys, as sexy as they are right now in all of our mock drafts, if history is a reasonable indicator, it usually is, they're not going to be that good. And it's hard to fathom right now, but that's the way it goes. And so I, I caution those that say, just go draft a quarterback. You have to hit on the right one. And yeah, you can't, uh, you can't win if you don't play, but uh, we shall see on the drafting of a quarterback. Maybe we could do something like Kellen Pond in, in the later. Yes, that's exactly what I was waiting yeah, to say. That would be, Kellen that, Mond. That would, I am hoping something that, like that. That would marry both worlds phenomenally because we've got four fourth round picks. We can probably package those to move up. If we wanted to quell the people that say we need to be done with Kirk, then we'll have somebody in the wings that might be competent, but we don't have to deal with the first round uh, angst or jitters that says like, all right, so Trey Lance fell to us. We understand we're still playing Kirk because I tell you every incompletion that Kirk's has, they'll be calling for Lance and I, I'll, yeah. I'll lose my mind. Uh, but are you anyway. kidding? We could have a six round rookie and they're going to say he's better than Kirk. Yeah. And yeah, first they preseason with, game hasn't they started did it with yet. slaughter then. Yeah. They're capable of anything <laughs> um, on more off season topics. So a, Rumors circulated from a website that's that's relatively credible, or I think it's a Twitter account, NFL Rumors, uh, an apropos name. Uh, they've been right before, so they're not just tweeting out garbage stuff. That said, the Vikings picked up the phone to inquire about Geno Atkins. Uh, I don't know what the price tag would be for him. He is a three-technique defensive tackle that started his career with Mike Zimmer with the Bengals, so the ties are there, and those mean something. Um, and then um, also... A ties to Zimmer guy, Carlos Dunlap, was released by the Seahawks. So there are two of Zimmer's keynote defensive linemen that should be quasi-available in the next week. Uh, Ron, do you foresee the Vikings landing one of those? And we'll check off that defensive uh, defensive line need off of our list. So now the I thought Geno Atkins got, tr- got cut like a few weeks back. But, but apparently, it was like, reported that he... Not, he they're trying to... It was reported that he might be. Mm-hmm. So if it's a trade, um, his contract is too high. So there would need to be something negotiated outside of that. Um, just again, with his age coming off of the injury and just where the Vikings stand financially. So now that I would absolutely love it because I think that he could be that, that three technique guy um, again in a rotational defense due to his age and be an impact player because the dude was phenomenal um, for many, many years. So um not saying that he's long too long in the tooth to be impact player now. Um I see that more likely than Dunlap. And I think it's more so just the the premier position of a, a edge rusher and Dunlap obviously went to Seattle last year midseason and he made an impact on that defense. Um they went from being terrible to actually being like a good defense down the stretch. Yes, and I think were. he was a big part of that. Um so I think he's still gonna command more money than what the Vikings are gonna be willing to offer, plus mm-hmm. the depth that we have on the D line. I don't know if he or on the D ends uh, specifically, I don't know if he is that much of an upgrade right now over what we currently have, again, due to his age. Um, but I mean, a six, six edge rusher with speed still is always uh, intriguing. So, yeah. um, Bryant, uh, those two names started their careers when you were playing in Baltimore, Carlos Dunlap and Gino Atkins. Uh, did you go up against them at all? Do you recall or? Yep. Especially Carlos. Yeah. Uh, I went against him a couple times, even as a Raven and as a Dolphin. Yeah. So yeah, I'm familiar. I'm familiar with seeing both of them play, but I've actually went against Carlos. Okay, and was he? He would have been in his formative years. He really <clears throat> didn't get going until well, I mean, didn't become an animal until he was like 2013 or so. But could you see that he was going to be decent when you squared off against him? I thought so, but there's a lot of people that I played against early in their career who, by the time I retired, they had gotten a lot better. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, like JJ Watt was one of my. Like, I played against him. It was early in his career. But they'd gotten better by the time, you know, I was retired. So he's one of those people, too. Okay. Um, and then what – so in the trenches against uh, opposing defensive end, at what age do you perceive those dudes, defensive ends, start to really not be quite as effective? Can you put an age on it or not really? For me, it just depends on, like – I feel like everybody's different. Sure. But they'll get to a point where they're recover- they start getting injured a lot. And then it's like their recovery um, seems like it starts to slow down. So I could say like, I mean, everybody's different. I would say like around 31, 32. Okay. I start to see like a little different. I start seeing them have a whole bunch of little nagging injuries. And I feel like all this starts to play a role in like how they play, you know, each week because it's something always nagging, mm-hmm. like an elbow or just something. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Um, never like they're back to be like you never playing a hundred percent, but they're never. I feel like they're never at like eighty five. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the not so secret secrets about defensive end and the like the all time sack leaders. And it's kind of like this in every sport for all, uh, climbing the leaderboards. It's, it's the dudes that play longer in their career at a higher level that will be remembered um, because they simply they accumulate more numbers. So like your Bruce Smiths who played, what, 38 or so or something. The dudes that are my, even Michael Jordan, people forget that at the pro- peak of his or when he won his final championship, he was 35 and we didn't care. We didn't talk about, you know, does Mike still have it? It was just assumed in 1998 and 1999 that he was still the best player in the business. So the, the longevity really matters for those career accolades. And that's why they're so rare is because McKinney was talking about the injuries start to mount. Uh, Cody, do you see a former Bengal on the defensive line joining these Vikings or is that just off season hearsay? I mean, I could definitely see it happening. Uh, like Ron said, I, I don't think it's going to be through the trade. That 10 mil uh, cap hit is, is going to be too much. If uh, we're looking for something like that, I mean, I'd like to go a little bit younger, like a Roy Robertson Harris from Chicago, who looked pretty good last year. Uh, Adam Butler for New England, someone who's people maybe who are a little bit better at stopping the run than okay. just being a retech after seeing us uh, allow anybody to run on us last year. I'm a big Geno Atkins fan, though. So if he was released because there was no trade market from him, took, uh, you know, m- you know, mediocre money, just regular money, nothing too much. Yeah. I think mainly right now he's just looking for playing time. Yeah. Which you could definitely say that we have available in the middle of our defensive line. And but, he uh, would be nice next to, next to Michael Pierce. I oh think God, that. Yeah, uh, he would. Yeah, uh, he would. Like, it take him back to his, uh, having Demata Pecco next to him and just being mm-hmm. that beef eater up the middle. So, yep. and Brian, if it does happen that we get him, then you know we'll leave it to you to make sure we get Gino on the on the show here. So, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. If, if there's any first time listeners, we brought up his name about three weeks ago, and Brian said his mother knows Gino's mother. So we we're like, fire it up, let's start the hype train, and. Bryant reached out to him and Gino's like, I know what you're doing. I'm not going to be able to do that. <laughs> so, yeah. So we're, we'll hold off when he puts on white horns on a helmet, then we will assuredly uh, have yeah. it on. All right. Next topic is for you, Cody, um, Mike Hughes, uh, Chris Thomas, excuse me, Chris Thomason of uh, pioneer press reported that the light uh, Vikings are unlikely to pick up the fifth year option of Mike Hughes, which means that this is probably his last year with the team. Um, he has missed half of all football games due to injury. Uh, his climax might be the very first game he played with the Vikings when he pick six. Uh, yep, pick six yep. on Jimmy Garoppolo. I was there. Uh, it was electric. I thought, oh, sweet. Zimmer nailed one. <clears throat> and that was the best play he's ever had as a Viking. Um, so I want to know, do you think that Hughes can rebound or not, not even rebound, just stay healthy in 2021 and <clears throat> maybe be part of the long-term plans? And if not, do you think that we will draft a corner as Ron floated last week? Or what's the deal at cornerback and Hughes? Man, for me with Mike Hughes, he's just uh, what comes to mind is unreliable, uh, unimpressive. Uh, you really couldn't tell that we picked him in the first round. He could have been him and uh, Holton Hill could have traded rounds and it would have been all the same. Uh, I think his best point to make emphasis on the team this season would be as a returner with how bad our return game has been but he's never really surprised me at that aspect yeah. uh, like you said he's done 24 games since 2018 never had a pff grade above 58 so i don't really Ooh. see it coming this year yeah uh we he'd make a good nickel but we just drafted <laughs> our nickel guy in the first round last year yeah. so i wouldn't mind him for depth but not at the nine mil fifth year option he has. I'd rather use that money to go pick up like a hooker from Indianapolis. Uh, Malik Hooker, Hooker, the free safety. (laughs) A hooker. Yeah. We'll get a hooker and then we'll, we'll get Malik Hooker as well. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, So last week, or I think it was last week, Ron, you prognosticated and even endorsed a little bit that the Zimmer fetish happens again, where it's not a hooker, uh, but they take a cornerback in the first round. If certain or Farley are there, now, I have to admit, good sir, and this is the reason that you try host the show, that the, the Hughes news leads me to believe that you're getting towards the right path uh, because he evidently is not in the future and could be considered a mini bust because of injuries. So with that said, are you still confident in your, your prediction? You know, I think so. Um, at least I wouldn't say necessarily confident. I'm comfortable with um, my speculation. Um, I think it's a no-brainer, like, that, 
because, you know, when you miss half the games that you're eligible, you're not going to be picked up at a $9 million option. It doesn't matter if you're um, dominant in those 24 games or not. It's just not going to happen. Now, the the problem is, like, I have seen flashes of his ability, like, you know, his quick twitch, you know, being able to stay with guys. Uh, but the problem is he hasn't been able to string it together because he's always been hurt. Now, an ACL is one thing. It it happens. It's a fluke injury. And then the neck, like, you, who knows what's going on, but who also knows what the long-term implications are going to be with that. So um, I, I'll stick with my I fully believe cornerback is on the board at 14 um, and just again, depending on how the board falls. But uh, um, I also, if they don't go corner and they are relying on Hughes and his health um, to be, to be in the mix this year, I don't see his his career as a Viking ending because there's always that, okay, you have that prove it year. Like you're not worth the 9 million, but say, Hey, maybe you show out and you stay healthy. Mm -hmm. Now we can bring you back on a one year deal and see what happens. Kind of like Mackenzie Alexander last year went to the, the Bengals, but it was a one-year prove-it deal. Like mm-hmm. we could have probably given him a similar deal, but we went out and drafted a, um, two young guys. So, um, I mean, whether he's part of the team or not, I just want to see him on the field and see him at least see what he has that, that he can bring to the table. Okay, uh, McKinney, with all the free agent dust in the air, um, I'll reiterate again: the next time that we talk as a group um, will be hopefully a slew of cool stuff to talk about as free agency because it will be on the night of the official you know, free agency period opening on St. Patrick's day. How does that work? I'm, I'm curious. Does your agent, maybe you don't even know because your agent handles it. Does he approach a team or does the team approach you? And then he says, Hey, here's 7 million is what we have in mind. And we're like, nah, son, we're doing 11 million. Can you tell me about that? Or is that, um, that, goes, that goes through the agent? Most, uh, most of mostly through the agent. Um, they know who represents you and they go through them and send in offers or they reach out to the agent. So the agent always tells you, like what teams are interested, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. with their offering and what your agent feels like you should settle for and things like that. So it, it goes through. The, they don't, they don't call you directly. Yeah. I didn't think that they call you directly, but your agent's got to say, Hey, Baltimore is willing to do 8 million. And you're like, Hell yeah, no. Yeah, no, your agent, your agent definitely tells you who's willing to do what. Okay. And then um, how much does the agent say, you know, Brian, B Mac, you got to take this or do you, or, or, how influential does an agent get in your ear? Um, they can be very influential because, um, they kind of know the inside. So yeah, it's, it, it's really, they can take the best option for you to make the most money, but it also depends on what it is you're trying to do as well. So if you're trying to be in the best situation to get a Super Bowl, then you'll go, you'll take that route. So that's the conversation you'll have between your agent. Okay. Is the agent like, that's usually- what you're trying to do. Does, does the agent usually say like, hey, I mean, you want to go win a Super Bowl or, hey, you want to go in and make the most money? Or does he or she let you dictate that? They just tell you what's the best offers financially. Okay. And then also we'll weigh in things of where you're like, they also say like they think where you'll be a good fit at too. You know what I mean? So they kind of tell you, it depends depend on who your agent is. <laughs> They'll tell you uh, some of them will be fair with you. Okay. Do most agents like obviously they get paid based on what you get paid? They do like I'm sure the good ones like truly like have a, to depend a, on who the agent is because <laughs> some are just be greedy and they just want you to go to wherever the most money nope. is. So that's what some I was gonna be, ask. Some will be realistic with you and say, Hey, I understand this is what you want to do. Um, you'll be a better fit here, so you may last longer here, like things like that, too. So is that what makes like say that like and I'm only saying this name because his name's out there and I have no idea what makes him a good agent, but Drew Rosenhaus, is that what makes him stand I mean, out? Like, I mean, I, I don't know if that makes him a good agent or not. I just feel like he publicized himself as like a, a P Diddy of, He's a marketer. <laughs> the marketing agency. He's not like the best. The rest of the agents kind of be behind the scenes. He wants to be right next to you to put the um he the wants to be like that. So he's like probably the most seen agent, right? But right. I don't know if he's like one of the better ones, but it's because we like, see him so much on TV and at all the press conferences. So right, it's like, like any next to like T.O. Any, doing sit-ups in the in the driveway. It's, it's like any right. lawyer lawyer in any city of America. I, I was always told at a young age that the ones that are on billboards are just on billboards, and the ones that don't need billboards are the actual lawyers. Like you know, you don't need a billboard uh, to prove that you're the good lawyer. The ones can go on reputation alone rather than to see their picture or commercials. Uh, so that's what came to mind there. Uh, Ron, Ron, you, uh, you and I have politely gone back and forth on Eric Wilson, and 
it's we're still in this tug of war, at least philosophically, because my knee jerk reaction when the season capped was, all right, he's not going to be back. Um, he's a pretty flashy player. Some team will pay him. And he brought me rightfully so back down to earth and said, hey, these non edge rushing linebackers really don't break the bank. And I was like, this dude's tripping. And I went and looked it up and I was like, sure as heck, unless your name's Bobby Wagner, Eric Kendricks, they don't. They get mid tier money. And then I was writing a piece for Vikings territory earlier that are probably last week. And lo and behold, uh, somebody credible predicted that Eric Wilson would get about 9 million per year. So now I'm stuck. Uh, do you think, I know you think that he'll probably return. Have you revised that Eric Wilson, the Vikings, or do you think that maybe there is a market for him? So I'll, I, I'll revise it in a sense that I do think there's a market for him. Um, now, whether what he views is the, the kind of ultimate fit, ultimate goal of what his next contract is going to be. Is it going to be the security, which I would think is something that he might be looking for being an undrafted guy out of Cincinnati and coming here and kind of always working his way up and then being on these one year deals. Maybe now he's looking at it much like Anthony Harris. You know, I'm in my late twenties. Um, let me go and get that financial security of a multi-year deal, which I don't think that is what's going to be available to him here. Um, I think maybe like a one year, like four million type deal like where it's a slight raise from this past year mm -hmm. i definitely don't see the nine million especially okay. looking at levante david and the contract he just signed yeah. um and levante david's a premier linebacker in this mm -hmm. league so yeah. um not taking anything away from eric wilson i think he's a good up-and-comer up-and-coming linebacker but i think that you know four to five million on a one-year deal is a fair offer um for to have him return but if he's looking say for like a three or four year maybe like 10 to 12 million so a little yeah. bit lower on the average but hey i get four years or of security knowing that i have uh um you know it's a the nfl everything can be taken away in one instance so um i guess with that's why i say i'll revise what i'm saying i i ultimately see him back here as that as a, that third linebacker and then giving bar the flexibility to rush as well um mm -hmm. but if he leaves and you know gets a multi-year deal i wouldn't be surprised either okay uh one thing to point out on eric wilson and this is to you anti Anthony Barr people and you pro Wilson folks uh, for some reason, we don't care that Eric Wilson is not good against the run. Um, his pro football focus grade is like in the thirties and it's like the bottom five, of the NFL of linebackers. So to date, he has uh, skated by on some of his flashier plays. You know, I think his buddy Kendricks called him a walking turnover in a, in a positive light. So he, you know, he's a playmaker and there is a market for playmakers. Uh, but for the X's and O's of what Zimmer does, it, it's weird that they would put an emphasis on such a poor run stopper um, at a big price. So we shall see. Uh, we'll, we'll, leave, we'll part ways. I want to ask you your opinion, Cody, on Wilson. Quickly, do you think he'll be back? Yes or no? Uh, I don't think he'll be back. I'd like to say it's not keep both in the 4-3, like you mentioned on his uh, run stopping skills. Okay. Not worth it for me. Okay. And then the last thing I have for you, um, as we are on the, the week eve of free agency, I'm putting you on the spot. I want one prediction as to something that transpires between now and St. Patrick's Day. We sign William Jackson III. Oh, you had that one holstered. That one, that was, that was delicious. Uh, Ron, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that, though. But. <laughs> Well, that's even more unbiased. I give you props. Uh, Ron, What's do you have one prediction you can give to our, our hungry listeners? Uh, you know, I'll go out on a limb and I'll, I'll predict that we do find a, a way to get Joe Tooney on this team. Um, I wow. think having the three young guys that we have in place now and then going into the draft and getting someone to take over that other guard spot, um, I think a veteran who started – you know, every game he's played in his career um, is someone that they're going to look to get. Um, so I'll, I'll have a caveat with that as well. If it's not him, then I think Kevin Zietler, but I think they will okay. get one of these uh, top guards available. But okay. I think Tooney is ultimately, I don't think they'd release Reef and the money owed to him unless they know or at least have a sense that they can replace him with another veteran. Yeah. Uh, because I know, you know, we, we now have lost two captains on our team um, in the last week in Rudolph and Reef. Yeah. And, you know, Bryant's made the the point of who's going to be that vocal leader and i don't know who that is on the inside um on the in, in the locker room now but they need to find someone who at least has that moxie of being able to, to come in and do that so okay um 
I my predict we got everything covered here. My prediction is indeed one of those Bengals, Dunlap or Atkins, uh, will become a Viking. Um, I I just think that I said this last week that with this one moment in time where it's so pivotal that uh, Zimmer hits a home run for his very employment. I think that he has every excuse to say, I want defense. Damn it. Get me defense. So I predict that. Well, I know Carlos as well. So oh, you do? <laughs> oh, we I got it Carlos covered. Too. Yeah. If, if yeah, we can land one of those too. perennial bingles, uh, then, uh, <laughs> that w- then we're, we're good for guests. Um, and then McKinney. Uh, so wait, you think maybe I should ask Carlos to come on and see if he has a different response? Yeah, Tom yeah. Gino? Well, it might be yeah. because he is a free agent, whereas yeah. apparently, like Atkins isn't. So yeah. if he comes on and he's, if he talks about anything, oh, okay. that could be collusion. So maybe Carlos would be open to it. I have no idea, but he no team has his rights now. Okay. So. If that's the case, we might want to think about so, yeah. recording Sunday or something. But <laughs> yeah, you take his temperature and you figure out if he can hop on the show. And then uh, what's do you think you can reach out to Burleson? We were supposed to chat with him in January, but our schedules conflicted. Oh, yeah. This would either next week or the week after would be prime time to talk to him because he's an NFL head in general. And we'll have all this free agency stuff to digest. You'd reach out to him. OK. All right. Sweet. Yeah. All right, Cody. Anything else for the group? Uh, yeah, actually, I had uh, two questions for Brian McKinney. Yeah. Um, I heard that you never allowed a sack in college, not even in practice. Did that also include high school? So did you allow your first sack in the NFL? Well, in high school, I, um, I played defensive end. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I read that somewhere as well. So, yeah, that. you didn't yeah. let up your first sack in the NFL then. Wow. And then um, yeah, one uh, – well, you're coming off the holdout then. So. It was a coverage sack, too. It wasn't like a real life. You're sack. you're getting you're getting used to everything. It was during a holdout, but it was a coverage <laughs> sack. It wasn't even it wasn't even like a real sack. Like he got by me. It was like a somebody held the ball way too long, and they ran all the way to the right side and tackled him. Oh, okay. For a sack, it wasn't even like a. And it was by another hurricane, Kenny Holmes. Okay. He played for the Giants at the time. Was Culpepper the quarterback? Yeah. So he was probably scrambling, rolling out of the pocket. Moss wasn't getting. He open. was. He was scrambling <laughs> on the other side. He was, he was scrambling to the right side, away from me. So I didn't see him no more. And the guy just looped all the way around and all the way to the right hand side of the field and tackled him. Hell of a way to give up your first sack. <laughs> I know. What's your last thing, Cody? Uh, and then also, I'm a big Miami Hurricanes fan. I know a lot of their history and stuff like that. And you can just say true or false to this one. This isn't even curiosity. Was there a seventh floor crew in the nineties? In the nineties? Yeah. Well, you know um, they had a whole song called the Seventh Floor Crew. But that's that what after, I'm referring to. I just didn't I just didn't want to make this mountain of a man mad at me the first time I met him. <laughs> oh no. But it wasn't in the nineties. It was um somewhere in the two thousands, but it was yeah, they were like uh, Austin in them. Yeah, Greg Austin. They had like a whole little song that went kind of viral. Yeah, that's what I, I was asking about. Floor, but I wasn't part of that crew because they were they were younger than me. Oh, okay, yeah, I was. I no, Brad, sticking on that, like with <laughs> Miami, they like I know ESPN had their the U productions. I think they did at least two of them. Like, is that something like being in there? Like, did, did you watch those? And if so, like, what were your thoughts on like how those, the story? Yeah, those ESPN thirty for thirty ones. Well, I was in part two. I was one of the people speaking in part two, so Ooh, okay. I watched I, part one. Been a I so watched my seen it. because I wanted to hear about, you know, the guys before us. And then I was a part of part two. So, like, okay. when we did part two, we okay, had like, to watch uh, it again. Oh, yeah. We had a private screening. And, like, um, I was among, you know, because it went through my era. So, I was among right, one right. of the guys okay. who spoke um, on part two with Billy Corbin. Got it. Excellent. Those were, yeah, those are great documentaries. So. They were. All right, Cody. Some people who like Florida State. Now y'all didn't get one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, now that you get one, we got two. <laughs> when you when when you're referred to as the you, like you know, and it's not like you say the right. unless it's in Minnesota, you say the you. You know, we're talking about University of Minnesota, but everywhere else you go, the you, they know where that is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right, Cody. I was gonna say in uh, about within the next month or so. Pull out your calendar and let me know when you want to come back. We appreciate your analysis and your uh, 
your insight and your optimism. So uh, you name it, my friend, uh, you'll be back on. Um, awesome. I'd love to start getting into this on my own. So I appreciate oh, y'all yeah. uh, opening the door and letting me in a little bit. Oh, yeah, we'll break you in. Um, that's all the time we have. We'll be back, hopefully, with Carl's Dunlap, maybe Burleson, or maybe, maybe we'll just have a free agency show, which does not sound bad at all. So that's all we got for tonight. And Skull Vikings. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.